you know, you need to be doing listening on three levels, as I call it. You know, you need to be listening to you, you as the business owner, you as your business, knowing what are your strengths, what are you good at, where do you want to want to be going? To really be having clarity about that, and then aligning that with having an understanding of what are those industries, those verticals, those markets that you want to be going for, and those customers that you want to be going for. Making sure you have a very clear understanding of what's going on in their world. Um, you know, what are their issues? What are their challenges? What are they trying to achieve? And then really be clear and know how you're going to deliver value to them. You know, what problems are you going to help them solve? But also what objectives and goals you can help them to achieve. And really building your expertise, your knowledge, and uh, building your value offerings around those things. So it does take doing a bit of homework. I do find, I love working with startups, but I do find often that they just want to jump to the sale and they yeah. don't want to do the work. But if you want to succeed in B2B, you have to do the work. And that's the That was Michael Haynes and I'm Joe Lemon. And welcome to the Sales Culture Podcast. So I'm really excited to get this episode out to you guys because I recorded it. I can't, can't forget the date because I was in San Francisco in a hotel room. Michael was in Australia, Sydney, Australia. That's where he's based. And literally, you know, it was on March 11th, right whenever that cruise ship, you know, was docking in, in Oakland. I was staying downtown San Francisco and it was a ghost town. I mean, it was like zombie apocalypse type times, right? Nobody was outside. And so this is at the very beginning of this whole new normal that we're experiencing. And so me and Michael had a great conversation about, you know, what it takes to acquire B2B customers because he's an expert at it. And he really specializes in helping startups and small and medium sized enterprises acquire larger companies. Right. Not so much buy them, but acquire them as customers. So, you know, in that whole process of playing in that B2B land is a lot different than a simple sale. I remember whenever I first got into doing sales, one of the first gigs I had officially was selling gym memberships. And as complicated as that got, literally came down to whether I can get both parties in the room together so we can talk about whether what membership they want to go with. And you know, literally the, the biggest objection or the biggest hurdle I had to face then was I have to go home and talk to my wife or I gotta go talk to my husband, whatever it was, right? And they would use that, you know, partner type of like trying to split up the actual uh, deal and then they could push it off and they wouldn't get they wouldn't do it whatever it was one of the biggest objections I had to face during it doing a simple sale but now after playing like the b2b world there's a lot of nuances with it very similar process with the wholesale but it's more complex because there's more players involved so whereas if you're just selling something that you can go b2c with or it's not really complex and you normally know, it's like a small business that you're selling you're, there's only one person that's probably over that choice to move forward or not but in b2b there's literally an average of you know between four to six players or people that all have influences on that deal that you have to get bought in to actually moving forward and there's a change i mean let's just say it this way there's a pain to change right with that as well so you know nobody wants to go out on a limb and you know force a deal to be done without the, without their colleagues bought in one because it's risky I mean, unless you're the CEO and you just really just, just going to say, hey, you guys need to be on board regardless. Uh, this is how we're moving forward. Yeah, that happens. But for the most part, people like everyone to be on the same page so they can move forward as a, as a unit, as a team. And each different person has different motivations. So if you're in finance, you're, you're worried about the bottom line. If you're in marketing, you're worried about growth. If you're in sales, you're worried about closing rates and all, or whatever that is for your business. Right. So these are the, these are the topics that me and Michael get into today. 
I know you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. So I'm going to shut up and get out the way and let Michael take over. So sit back and enjoy it. Please tell a friend if you found it valuable and you can reach Michael by just checking out the show notes. You can go to salesculture.work and grab them there, or you can get them right here below wherever you downloaded this podcast. All right, let's get it going. Oh, by the way, this is going to be a two-part episode, so you guys are going to get a lot out of it. I had to had to break it up because there was too much information to put it in one. So check out the later episode on Thursday. It's going to, it's going to drop in the morning, so stay tuned for that. And all right, that's enough. Let's get into it. Boom, and it's recording. So, Michael Hayes, welcome on to the Sales Culture Podcast. I am excited to really talk to you today, man, because there's so much I'm going to learn myself and so much I think that you're going to add value to the actual audience today about how little guys like myself, people that are, have these huge dreams, but yeah. we're just startups, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just a couple guys in the basement or in a yeah. hotel room, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to figure out how do we scale our businesses, how do we grow it, and how do we get into this B2B lane? And you yes. are an expert, so welcome on to the show. Great. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Um, yeah, lots of opportunity in B2B. Um, I really am passionate about helping um, our peeps of startups and SMEs, SMBs, how they can grind, throw, thrive and succeed in the big end of town, big B2B. Joe, the world has really changed. There used to be that saying, no one gets fired for hiring IBM. Those days are pretty much over now. Um, a lot of the big folks in IBM and, and those likes, those big companies generally have gone down the tried and true of big firms and they've often not gotten what the great return on investment, haven't received the outcomes that they've needed to have. Um, I myself have uh, been an independent consultant since 2011. My very first gig was because, well, one of the big end of town, big end firms remained nameless, didn't deliver so well. Mm. So the global marketing director is like, well, I've tried big end of town. That didn't work out well. Um, let me try, you know, go smaller niche. And there's a more recognition of that now, um, that if you really understand how to navigate the world of B2B, Business buyers are really open now to working with niche providers, those that have the expertise, the hunger that will really deliver for them. Yeah. Um, and there's been some studies, Joe, that have just been done recently uh, by some big firms uh, over in Europe and in the States. And they have found that over 70% of business buyers are looking for B2B product and service providers that understand their company and that are willing to help them achieve their uh, problems and objectives. So if you really can double down on that and focus in on that, the door is wide open now. Um, so there's really, yeah, if you really understand B2B, how to navigate, understand the role and the importance of delivering to the buyer specifically, yeah. which is something I'm very keen and passionate on, then yeah, the, the, the sky's the limit for all of us now. So, so I mean, I mean, man, just the fact that you've been in the game since 2011, that's impressive. First off, hats off to you. Um, you know, how much has changed with the space? I mean, obviously, because I would imagine just with the whole internet coming in, taking us by storm, lowered the cost for a lot of us to operate. I know for myself, for sure. But how, how has that space evolved over the past 10 years? Uh, so, so, Joe, yes. Yeah, so it has changed a lot since 2011. The internet has on some levels made it easier for more of us to get into the game. Mm -hmm. um, it has also res resulted that it's also much harder to get cut through mm. and you have to make a lot more investment now. If you want to build, grow and scale your business, you've got to be, uh, prepared to spend more. Even from a marketing perspective now, your marketing expenditure is going to be a lot more now. If you're running a business, even if it's as a side hustle, if you're going to have a site that's commercial, you must do SEO. 
you need to have professionals doing the SEO and SEO management because there's all the technical ends and there's just so much involved. It's a science in and of itself. So you're going to have to invest in that now. Um, uh, in my part of the world here in, in uh, Australia, for um, small medium businesses, you're paying between eight to hundred dollars, eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month to have SEO. But you need to have it. You don't have SEO, you don't have any visibility. Hmm. Uh, generally, they're finding now that uh, for us as small medium businesses and businesses generally, you have to spend a lot more on marketing now to get cut through. Video marketing is quite important, but then that means you have to spend on equipment, editing, etc. So it's easier in one sense to get uh, access, but it just means a level of investment to get the cut through, to get the results. You just have to do more and you have to go further and you have to be prepared to have more skin in the game now because there's a lot more people and everyone wants to see, well, what's in it for me? How are you going to deliver value? How are you going to be different? So that's what I would say is one key thing. Second key thing, Joe, is business uh, buyers do a lot of their research before they ever come and talk to you. So mm -hmm. they're going to check you out. Um, so your content is extremely important because as they hear about you, um, they're going to check you out. They want to see, you know, do you really understand their industry? Do you understand their challenges? Can you deliver to them? They want to see what sort of uh, footprint, what kind of reputation, what kind of credibility you have in the marketplace. So your content marketing and what you're doing to gain reach, visibility, uh, credibility is so important now. Um, so it's easier on one end, but it also means it, it just raises the bar in terms of what we have to do to be able to succeed. But you can do so though. Really good topics, man. I mean, because you know, when you talk about it, you're absolutely right. I, I, I can totally see that because on one end, it's easier for us to, you know, create that LLC, grab a quick bank account and then you're off, right? <laughs> Get some things going, but then trying to stay in the, but then trying to stay in that race is a totally different conversation. Yes. Um, uh, SEO definitely still seems to be like a dominant first step. Um, but yeah. now, at least from what I'm hearing from my colleagues and myself, I'm even debating. Uh, now we're looking at, okay, how do we get this organic play? Everyone's trying to tap into it. B2B yeah. seems to be all LinkedIn heavy, but I mean, um, any other thoughts or recommendations about so, how to get organic or, or how to kind of tap into Joe, it? Yeah. Um, I personally believe, Joe, that, okay, LinkedIn is good for getting that reach and, and getting that awareness. That is how you and I have become connected, how Absolutely. you became aware of each other. But really to succeed in B2B, if you really want to have a sustainable growing business, it, it involves going far more beyond that. Um, you need to be doing online and offline. Uh, as you're, you know, big B2B is big dollars, big risk. Mm. So you need to still, while online has its place, you have to be prepared. I tell people, I tell clients, students that I teach, you have to be prepared to do that $1,000 meeting because sometimes, you know, when you want someone to invest in your startup, in your solution, there is nothing more than you having a face-to-face -face discussion. And just by virtue of the fact that you're going to have that discussion, that you're going to get on a plane and you're willing to have that discussion, to have that meeting, that will separate you. And I'll tell you, Joe, from my own experience, people take you seriously. When you are prepared to spend money and travel, halfway across the country. Heck, I've flown halfway across the world for a Startup Canada conference. Um, <laughs> oh, my wow. presence there. People take you seriously because then they know you mean business. Mm -hmm. And it's when you have that discussion and dialogue, you can work through what are the issues, what are the hesitations, what's going to be required to deliver value to that 
prospective customer and client. So there is still a very big role um, for what you do in an online, offline standpoint. Uh, and again, it's all about demonstrating your value. How are you going to help your prospective clients and customers meet their objectives? So you constantly have to be delivering them information, insights, facilitating connections. Uh, it's all about that, that, that giving of value. You have to give value to get value. So, um, yeah, so it's very much around content being helpful, um, engaging with your customers, and often you need to be prepared to do so in a face-to-face -face context. I love the fact that you went like offline with that because I'm a big believer of getting face-to-face. -face. I think it's one of the main separators, right? And yeah, you know, and it's um, big in B2B. We're big dollars, we're big risks. Um, even if you're selling SMB to SMB, you're often requiring someone to take a risk on doing something, making a significant investment, a new way of doing business. There is still nothing more of getting all of those stakeholders in the room. And that's another thing, Joe, because in B2B, there are multiple people in the buying group. Nothing is more impactful getting all of those people in the room and addressing all of their concerns uh, and working through what needs to be done to build that consensus and come up with a solution to move things forward. And face-to-face -face is one of the best ways uh, to do so. Oh, man. So, so on online has its place, but offline is still very important by the nature of what we're involved in uh, in the B2B space. Man, that was like the perfect lead in so I can kind of pull some of the major jewels out of you because I've been, I've been listening to like a couple of different podcasts that you've been on looking at your posts and I feel like you are a master at dissecting a room and what people are really interested in. Could you help some of the actual audience understand how you go into a room with multiple people and then be able um, to sure. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's just, I don't know, it's experienced a lot. Uh, one of the big things for me, anytime, even with my own um, with my own consulting practice, and I very much try to practice what I preach, mm -hmm. I am very big on rounding up everyone who's involved in the decision. So not just the decision makers, but also those influencers. So so those people that you know, the CEOs, the the senior managers rely on to do their vetting of solutions. I am very big on getting everyone in the room um, because it's when you get in the room with them and you and i'm big on doing my research about those folks to understand what angle they're coming from some may be very strategic very big picture you have some that are very process very operational focused i'm gonna get into the detail around the processes your finance and your risk folk will be very much into numbers and what are those risks what are those implications and really just trying to zero in and i will sometimes focus in on those people to say um, you know, what are your concerns, any, any feedback, any input. So really trying to round up everyone, not just the decision maker themselves, and trying to address all those concerns is quite important. Do you have those conversations as like one-offs or do you do them like with everyone literally at the same table at the same time? I prefer to try to get everyone, if I can, try to get everyone in the room together um, because sometimes uh, the, the members of the buying group can be coming from different angles. So let's say the chief marketing officer may be looking very strategic from one perspective, whereas your risk and compliance are looking at, okay, regulatory requirements. Do you meet these licensing and regulations? Your operations person may be all around service levels, service level agreements, process time. And so the, they themselves can be at odds. So bringing everyone in the room to making sure you're gaining consensus as to next steps, the way forward is quite important. Because if you don't try to help facilitate that, then things can break down the minute you walk out, out what minute you walk out of the room. 100% agree, 100% agree, man. You know, unfortunately, I've kind of taken that beating a couple of times where you're, where you go into the, you know, 
in these meetings and you have these one-off conversations with one person and then you think everything's going great. And then a week yeah. and a half later, once you try to circle back around or whatever that time frame is, and you're like, whoa, you guys aren't moving forward or you guys found another partner, you know, or have that looks. And, and then you're like, it feels like you've been like in a small car accident. You're like, what the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I thought we were going in the right direction. Now we kind of came off the rails. So I think so that's- So Joe, Joe, it's happened nice to all of us. Uh, I have fallen victim to, to that in my earlier days, which is why I'm very big. And I will postpone meetings. Um, if I have to, instead of doing a video conference, I need to get on a plane and we need to alter and even delay just to make sure that all those people are accounted for, just to avoid that. Because I've been involved in those train wrecks where you get your hopes up, you think, oh, I met, met with the buyer and it's all good. And then you get the email three weeks later. Oh, um, <laughs> and it's completely off course. It's been, it's been installed, uh, been down that road. So yes, really trying to, yeah, where I can get everyone together and in the room. Um, Cause it's not just what people say, how they say it, their body language, you can mm -hmm. kind of tell. Uh, and that's where you get some of those cues that, oh, Okay, finance person, not so they're not convinced, um, and that's where yeah you can you can pick up those cues that you can't get by being on a phone call um, or doing it uh, you know by email. One thousand percent, man. I mean, you, you know, and one of the th one of the things I think a lot of us struggle with, and I'm kind of telling on myself here mainly, um, is that trying to separate ourselves from the competition or just the other options out there that yeah. different startups can be you know chosen from. Um, it feels like one of the biggest advantages but also one of the biggest struggles the fact that we can niche down but then also how do you are you niching in the right direction how do you how do you kind of you know guide firms yeah so other in terms of yeah um yeah so joe i have a few things to say on that i think it i think niching down and having a niche and a focus of an area that that you have a lot of experience in you know well and you can deliver to where you can provide those insights, advice, suggestions to those buyers to show that you really know their industry, you know their company, and you can really help them is quite important. Um, and having that focus really helps you to stand out for what you're, you are known for. Right. But on the same token, we as entrepreneurs, SMB startups, need to be open and flexible to opportunity. So I would say have your focus uh, from a marketing perspective, from building your skills and experience in a core area. But when you do get those you know, opportunities that come out of left field in other their areas be open to those a because number one we have to pay the bills um, and you know yeah. we need to have revenue that's number one but often number two you may find that by going into an area that's out of left field you might be able to um, you know business innovate your own business and identify oh there's an opportunity that I can leverage one or more of my offerings or my services that I can apply to this other area which I didn't thought of I think of originally, and it could actually be a new source of income, a new area of focus. So um, market and position yourself to be known for a particular area, but be open to other opportunities because, yeah, it can definitely be beneficial, if nothing else, to uh, smooth out the ebbs and flow of cash flow, but it also can lead to other opportunities as well. Thousand percent, man. I mean, so any, um, any thoughts on how we could go about trying to come up with that insight, like that will say, hey, to the customer, Joe's known for X and Michael's known for Z and Y, you know, so help us really try to separate ourselves. Any processes that you kind of play with or are different so, yeah, technologies so, that you kind of work with? Yeah. Um, so, so Joe, look, it's really all about really, you know, kind of reflecting what I call listening, you know, reflecting, you know, you need to be doing listening on three levels, as I call it, you know, you need to be listening to you, you as the business owner, use your business knowing 
what are your strengths? What are you good at? Where do you want to want to be going? Um, to really be having clarity about that, and then aligning that with having an understanding of what are those industries, those verticals, those markets that you want to be going for, and those customers that you want to be going for. Making sure you have a very clear understanding of what's going on in their world. Um, you know, what are their issues? What are their challenges? What are they trying to achieve? And then really be clear and know how you're going to deliver value to them. You know, what problems are you going to help them solve? But also what objectives and goals you can help them to achieve. And really building your expertise, your knowledge, and uh, building your value offerings around those things. So it does take doing a bit of homework. I do find, I love working with startups, but I do find often that they just want to jump to the sale and they yeah. don't want to do the work. But if you want to succeed in B2B, you have to do the work. And that's just the bottom line. Um, I'm going to be doing a short little video clip on LinkedIn on that tomorrow because you have to go into any meeting, even a 15 minute coffee meeting, Joe, you must go in armed and ready. You cannot go in and ask a business owner, even a fellow SMB CEO, what keeps you up at night? No, you need to know what keeps them up at night. And then you need to be ha having suggestions, information, demonstrating how your solution is going to help deliver value to them. You have to, you have to go in as a peer to the CEO, as an advisor, which means you're well knowledgeable, well informed. And that's how you gain credibility when a prospective client can say, gee, this person, Joe knows my company, he knows my market, he knows what's going on, and he's really adding value and helping me to achieve. And that comes with doing the legwork, doing your, and continue building your knowledge so that you really can deliver to that. So it's really about, yeah, really knowing your market, knowing your customers, developing that, that expertise, really. All right, guys, so that's part one. I'm going to stop it right there. I think that's plenty of information for you guys to kind of get out of this one episode. But please, if you want to link up with Michael, I'll have his information in the show notes, the link to his book, if you guys want to dive into that, have some good reading. And, you know, really just think about and meditate on what are you guys doing to enhance your, enhance your B2B digital presence, right? You got to drop some money in SEO. You don't have to break the bank, but you got to spend some money because you got to be found, right? You got to have you had to have some awareness in the digital world, right? No matter how great your reputation is in the real world, translate that into what you're doing in the B2B space. And, you know, really just become the expert, man. Take time to know your market. And so come on back on Thursday. I'll have part two with Michael and we'll keep that conversation going. We'll pick up right where we left off. And I look forward to talking to you guys then. Until then, you guys stay healthy, stay safe, and keep innovating.